coming to you from the Eminem Studios in beautiful Music City, USA, Nashville, Tennessee. Jabaloo Enterprises is proud to present the Health and Humor Show with your hosts Maureen Sullivan and Kevin Michaels. A mix of humor, education, and entertainment that we hope will amuse, educate, and enlighten you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another installment of the Health and Humor Show for the week beginning May 8th, 2022, which is Happy Mother's Day, folks. This is your co-host, Maureen Sullivan, and the better half of the team with a special announcement. (laughs) Kevin Michaels, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whenever you're listening. And yes, Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out there. um, Yes, we do have a uh, big, big announcement here. We will just start the show off with. Uh, this will actually be our final episode of the Health and Humor Show. Uh, we started this show back uh, 10 years ago in 2012, in January 2012, so actually over 10 years and close to 500 episodes. And, you know, just in that time and in the last uh, few months, our circumstances and responsibilities have changed. And, uh, We've got several new projects in the works and just makes us find that we just won't have time any longer to devote to presenting a good quality podcast every week. So we thought we would just just put it behind us here. But we do want to give a big shout out and a big thank you to all of our loyal listeners over the years. Some of you have been with us through the whole time and every iteration of the show that we've had and... uh, also, our longtime sponsors and collaborators, including, of course, UK Health Radio, uh, Capra Garrison at PedagogyEducation.com, Jean Piero at HamiltonRadio.net, Donna Cavanaugh at HumorOutcast.com, and uh, also our friends at Good Music Africa, Shakedown Radio, and uh, all the many, many platforms that have carried our podcast to all corners of the world. And uh, we also want to give a shout-out to all the people that we've interviewed over the years, and uh, many of them that we have learned from and hopefully you have learned from as well. And um, as I say, it's a a big change for us, and I know a big change for all of you that have been listening all along, but uh, we just uh, continue to hope that enjoy good health and happiness and success in whatever you do yeah and there you have it the introduction and the shout outs to the multiple platforms again ladies and gentlemen it's been an honor and a privilege to deliver this uh radio show podcast to you for as he said over 10 years and counting here but do not think that we're not coming back we just don't know in what way shape or form we're coming back yet so In the meantime, check out archived episodes on UKHealthRadio.com as well as, I'm sure, HamiltonRadio.net out of Trenton, New Jersey with CEO and founder Gene Piero. Again, a shout-out to our latest platform, Podbean.com, and the rest of the uh, platforms that have been promoting us, including Pandora, Spotify, TuneIn, Audible, Google Podcast, iTunes, and iHeartRadio. And while we take a hiatus from the radio shows, please follow me on my website, MaureenSullivanRN.com for the latest, greatest updates, which uh, I don't know if they're going to surprise both of us as I say that. But in the meantime, 
That's it, folks. Your final lame joke of the week and here. actually a special Mother's Day lame joke. Buckle week. up, folks. A family was having dinner on Mother's Day, but the mother was unusually quiet. Finally, her husband asked, what was wrong? Nothing, said the woman, not believing her. He asked again, no, seriously, what's wrong? Finally, she said, do you really want to know? <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I have cooked and cleaned and fed the kids for 15 years, and on Mother's Day, you don't even tell me so much as thank you. Why should I, he said. Not once in 15 years have I gotten a Father's Day gift. Yes, she said, but I'm their real mother. Oh, my. Oh, oh, that was a swing at the last moment here. Anyway, happy Mother's Day around the world to mothers and those in the roles of maternal maternalism, maternal role here. And I know that there's a lot of single parents and fathers in the roles of mothers, so a shout-out and virtual hugs to all of you. But now, folks, I guess we're going to take it uh, for some, I don't know, finale. It's kind of emotional, bittersweet here. Yeah. Well, our uh, first first of our last segment of uh, Strange and Crazy News here. Uh, when it comes to identity theft, people aren't safe from their own family members, apparently. One Florida man was sentenced recently for stealing his twin brother's identity. Wayne Bowen, 64, was sentenced to two years in federal prison for using his siblings' military benefits for his own gain. According to a plea agreement, Bowen admitted to stealing his brother's name, social security card, and military discharge papers in 2014. He then used those documents to apply for federally subsidized housing benefits for military veterans. Bowen reportedly raked in tens of thousands of dollars off his twin's identity for years, including $12,434 in nutrition benefits from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The VA provided Bowen $32,434 in medical services, while he also got $18,905 in federal housing subsidies. When federal agents confronted Bowen, he initially lied about being a veteran honorably discharged from service. He also revealed he's been arrested and convicted of felonies under his brother's name, according to federal prosecutors. The twin brother confirmed he never applied for those benefits, nor gave Bowen permission to use his name. He has pled guilty to aggravated identity theft and was ordered to pay $63,773 in restitution according to court records. You know, I just think of most twins kind of being close, you know, especially identical twins, but apparently did not uh, <laughs> did not go for these two. So. I think it happens a lot more than the news ever captures mm. it for identical mm. twins. I don't know. Well, uh, here's a bad idea, picking up an old unexploded bomb. But then a worse idea is deciding to keep an old unexploded bomb as a souvenir. And the absolute worst idea, transporting an old unexploded bomb to the airport in your luggage and attempting to bring it on a plane. Wow. A chaotic scene unfolded at Israel's Ben-Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv recently after an American family attempted to pass through security with unexploded ordnance in their suitcase. According to the Israeli Airports Authority, the tourist approached airport security and asked about the shell as they deposited their luggage, sparking a panicked effort to evacuate the departure hall. Video shared on social media captured the frantic scene with some passengers fleeing the area while others sought shelter wherever they could find it. 
At least one man was injured while fleeing and later taken to a hospital. The Times of Israel reports the 32-year-old climbed onto a luggage conveyor belt, ran on top of it, and fell. The family found the bomb during a visit to the Golan Heights, a contested strip of land Israel captured from Syria in a war in 1967, annexed in 1981, and under international law and United Nations Security Council resolutions has illegally occupied ever since. The air remains littered with landmines, barbed wire, and unexploded bombs, minus at least one. The Israel Airports Authority told CNN the family was allowed to board their flight after an interrogation and that the incident is currently under operational investigation. The tourists were not allowed to bring the ordinance home with them, as you might imagine. All right, well, finally for this first segment, police in Alabama uh, yeah, police in Alabama are looking for a woman who stole several items, including an Alabama Crimson Tide yard sign, and made her getaway on a lawnmower. The Flomaton Police Department initially shared a photo of the woman driving the lawnmower, and a wagon carrying, and a wagon with, that was attached and carrying several items. Little facts to provide to you. The lawnmower she is riding, reported stolen from a residence, the department wrote. The trailer she is pulling, reported stolen from her evidence, residence. The items in the trailer, also reported stolen from a residence. The Alabama A uh, equals, uh, represents the uh, Chiefs' favorite football team, but is also stolen. The department initially asked for assistance identifying the woman before providing an update confirming her name is Donna, but her last name is not included in their database. We have identified her, the department posted. The lawnmower case is winding down. We need your help identifying this lady. Her name is Donna, but we can't find her last name in our database. If you have information in regards to her name, please contact us. The department also made a humorous reference to Flo Rita and T-Pain's hit song, Low, in their initial post. She appears to be uh, wearing possible apple-bottom jeans, looks like slides with no fur. The whole town of Flomaton is looking for her. The uh, department's Facebook page commented. Okay, got some health news for you here. Health officials are trying to understand why some COVID patients who were treated with Pfizer's antiviral drug Paxlovid are getting sicker for a second time. There have been several reports about people completing the five-day course of the medication only to get sick again a few weeks later. Erin Blankany told CNN that she and her husband contracted COVID-19 after attending a large memorial service in March. They were both fully vaccinated and boosted and even wore 90 N95 masks as a precaution. When they started having symptoms, they contacted or contracted, <laughs> contacted, <laughs> contacted their doctor and were prescribed Paxlovid. Lackney said that they had mild symptoms and that after the five-day course of medication was completed, they felt fine. But a few weeks later, they both started feeling sick, took a rapid COVID test, and to their surprise, they both tested positive. We both took rapid COVID tests. We we're both positive again. We were like, oh my God, what is happening? We've never heard of this. Doctors are trying to figure out why some people are contracting the virus again, despite taking the antiviral treatment 
and being fully vaccinated. The drug has only been authorized for a few months and health officials are monitoring the situation to determine if the reported cases are just a few outliers or a sign of a larger issue. It is a priority, Clifford Lane, Deputy Director for Clinical Research at the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases told Bloomberg, adding that it is a pretty urgent thing for us to get a handle on. Pfizer said it continues to collect real world, world data about the drug and pushed back against the idea that the treatment is actually not effective. Although it is too early to determine the cause, this suggests the observed increase in viral load is unlikely to be related to Paxlovid. Pfizer spokesperson Kit Longley told the Washington Post in an email, we have not seen any resistance to Paxlovid and remain very confident in its clinical effectiveness. So. Um, all I can say is this, folks, and I think we're all in agreement here, this virus is not going away. And I know that this, this couple here said, you know, they've been boosted and vaxxed and taken additional medicine, but the virus is everywhere. And I don't know, they said they had mild symptoms, and I guess that's the win, because I think a lot of people have recurrent um, COVID infections and are just uh, writing it off as other infections as well, especially... I'm sorry, the same with being vaxxed and boosted, you know, um, it doesn't mean that you can't get it, it just means hopefully that it won't be bad. So. And one thing people have pointed out in the news here is now that the, uh, the home testing kits are made available, the surveillance of uh, all this uh, occurring, inf you know, virus is not being tracked appropriately anymore because people are testing positive and uh, there is no other than a moral respect for the situation, there is no law that says they have to stay home, especially if they have mild symptoms. And I know everybody should, but there's nobody mandating this anymore here because nobody knows who's positive and who's negative. So a um, little iffy on the fence here about the home testing kits because there is no reliability and you know ongoing surveillance as, as to if this virus is actually going away. And I suspect, as did this couple, we're going to find out that the virus is still very much with us. But on to some better news, I think, maybe not. A highly contagious strain of the avian flu was detected in a human for the first time during a recent spike in cases among birds nationwide, according to a recent news release from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. A man who was responsible for culling poultry presumed to have the H5N1 bird flu on a Colorado farm, and he reported fatigue for several days as only symptom and has since recovered from the virus. The man was placed into isolation and treated with the influenza antiviral drug Oseltamir. Oh my lord, Oseltamir. <laughs> it's getting worse, folks. Sure. It's getting worse. While it is possible the detection of H5 bird flu in this specimen is a result of surface contamination of the nasal membrane, that cannot be determined at this point, and the positive test result meets the criteria for an H5 case, the CDC wrote in its news release about the human case. The appropriate public health response at this time is to assume that it is an infection and take actions to contain and treat. The CDC said the situation doesn't change its previously assessed risk level for disease among the general public, which it still considers to be low. However, warns individuals with job-related or recreational exposures 
to infected birds that they are at a higher risk of infection and should follow necessary precautions listed below. It says federal health officials have monitored a rising number of bird flu or avian influenza virus cases at poultry farms along the East Coast and Midwest in recent weeks. Last December, Yassi Lesman, a top-renowned ornitho ornithologist in Israel who works as a zoologist in Tel Aviv University and serves as the director of the International Center for the Study of Bird Migration in Latrum, said bird flu posed a major global threat as it had its ability to mutate into new strains similarly to what has been seen in the coronavirus during the past few years. This could be a mutation that also infects people and turns into a mass disaster. Oh, how, how wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Over half a billion migrating birds passed through the Galilee region where a massive outbreak was reported at the time every year before spending winters in warmer Africa or summers in Europe, creating a threat of spreading the virus in different parts of the world. Again, folks, self-care is the only thing that's going to get us through here moving forward. And I say that, I know I sound kind of humorous here, but we have to take our own health and well-being into our own hands now, within reason. Because simple lifestyle changes and healthy eating behaviors and and you know the list i, I say it every week here that's the only thing that's going to get us through these are two back-to-back -back stories about viruses that are going to be with us in a long time here and like i said it's so easy i think to spread them because in the second article the person was only complaining of some fatigue and that in itself who doesn't feel that they're a little bit more fatigued and run down nowadays for a variety of reasons here? Mm -hmm. So, like I said, um, stay tuned, folks. We'll be back bigger and better with more news to keep us healthy moving forward. But in the meantime, check out my website, MaureenSullivanRN.com. <laughs> We're laughing, but I'm serious. Back All to right. you. <laughs> All right. Well, two roommates from Maryland were shocked to find a pair of strangers living in their apartment when they returned home from vacation. The Greenbelt City Police Department said the roommates were gone for a week, and when they got back, they noticed their front door was busted. When they went inside, they found that almost all their furniture was gone, and the apartment was in shambles. The living room was completely empty, except for black trash bags uh, filled with items, trash on the walls, the kitchen was completely empty, and the cabinet doors were missing. The second bedroom was completely empty, the closets were completely empty, and the bedroom was empty except for the bed the suspects were lying on, the department wrote on Facebook. The roommates lost nearly $50,000 worth of property. An officer said the suspects were not hostile at first, and the male suspect told the roommates they had sold their property. However, as the victims continued to question the man and woman, they became aggressive before fleeing from the home. Wow. Well, a strange crime was caught on camera recently in Portland, Oregon. Doorbell camera footage shows a thief taking a statue of Minnie-Me, an iconic character from the Austin Powers movies, from the porch of a home in the Irvington neighborhood. It was a gag gift from work that was being thrown out, and I thought it was hilarious and quirky to toss out, according to George Capolini. He said the quirky statue has been sitting outside his home for six years, becoming a normal sight in the neighborhood. Capolini's twin children even grew up with the cute gift. Reporters say the beloved keepsake was taken the morning of April 27th. 
Campolini says the two suspects took off in an older model white Subaru Outback. The family also filed a police report as they waited for Mini-Me to come back home. It just feels like useless or petty crime or an invasion of property or privacy, according to Campolini. Well, a four-year-old boy has been likened to Formula One star Max Verstappen after taking his mother's car for a drive in the Netherlands. Police in the city of Utrecht said the child crashed into two parked cars and was found alone by a bystander walking around in his pajamas and bare feet recently. The child had taken his mother's car keys to go for a drive after he had woken up after his father went to work. On Instagram, the force said they discovered a new vac Max Verstappen and that no one was hurt in the incident. Police contacted the boy's mother, and while he spoke to her on the phone, the boy gestured a steering wheel, which led police to think he may have been driving. Taken to the scene, the child was asked if he knew how the car worked. Police said he opened the car with the keys, put the key in the ignition, and went to the clutch with his left foot and stepped on the gas. Fortunately, the adventure of this uh, mini-driver ended with a bang, police said. The child was checked by paramedics and taken to a police station where he was given a hot chocolate and asked where he was from. And Max Verstappen, by the way, is the uh, Dutch uh, world champion Formula One driver, the current Dutch world champion Formula One driver, I should say. So. All right, and finally for this segment, a main driver said she was following her GPS when she took a wrong turn and crashed into a local police station. But authorities say she was just drunk. The accident happened in Portland when a 26-year-old woman drove through the Portland Police Department garage across its pedestrian plaza and then tried to drive down the stairs to Middle Street. She said she was following her GPS instructions, but responding officers felt it was her excessive blood alcohol level, according to the department's Facebook post. Police said it was fortunate the woman didn't strike anyone during the incident. No injuries were reported, and police said the crash resulted in minor property damage. The woman, who police didn't identify, was issued a summons for operating while under the influence. Facebook users poked fun at the suspected drunk driver situation. I've been very drunk before, but never drive through the police station drunk, one user wrote. Another said perhaps her GPS knew she was drunk and figured it would bring her where she needed to be rather than where she wanted to be. And finally, I wish all GPS would navigate drunk drivers to jail, according to another user. So there you go. All right, and on to my always favorite segment, Maureen's Diabetic Corner. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the final installment of the Diabetic Corner. So we'll give you a bonus, a two-for-one article review today. Both articles listed in Endocrine Today, the diabetic section, their website, Helio, H-E-A-L-I-O.com, backslash endocrinology. The first one, intermittent 
very low calorie diet level or lowers glucose levels in adults with diabetes and obesity. It says adults with obesity and type 2 diabetes improved glucose levels after eating a very low calorie diet either two or four days a week. A significant portion of patients with type 2 diabetes and obesity, almost 30% in this study, achieved diabetic remission without need for diabetic medication from an intermittent, very low-calorie diet, according to the Division of Endocrinology and Metabolism um, at the University and Excellence Center in Diabetes Hormone and Metabolism in Bangkok. Let's say the researchers conducted a randomized control trial of adults aged 30 to 60 years diagnosed with type 2 diabetes within the past 10 years, whose A1C was between 6.5 and 10.4. Participants ate a very low calorie diet of 600 calories a day for 10 days during a two-week run-in period. After the run-in period, participants were randomly assigned to a very low calorie diet for two days a week or four days a week or a control group eating a normal diet of 1,500 calories to 2,000 calories a day and receiving normal diabetes care. The study period was 18 weeks and primary study outcomes were changes in glucose levels and A1C levels and the rate of diabetes remission in each group. Secondary outcomes included insulin secretion, insulin sensitivity, cardiovascular risk studies, and uh, quality of life. At 20 weeks, the very low calorie group had a 39.7 um, milligram per deciliter reduction in fasting blood sugar, and the two-day-a-week uh, group had a 25-point reduction and a 7.9 milligram per deciliter reduction in the control group. The A1Cs dropped by 1.2% in the four-day-a-week group, and uh, whereas the control group only had a 0.1% reduction. Diabetes remission without need for glucose-lowering medicine was observed in 29% of participants in both very low-calorie diet groups compared with no participants in the control groups. It says a rate of diabetes remission in these individuals using a very low-calorie diet were comparable, uh, suggesting that the modality of treatment might have greater clinical implications for patients with type 2 diabetes and obesity. So um, fascinating studies. Uh, I will say, though, and I think it goes without saying, but I have to say it, <laughs> the very low-calorie diet, I've known it to go uh, to 800 calories. This took it down to 600 calories. You may be interested in this, folks, but I implore you, this is something that has to be medically followed. This cannot be done on your own here uh, because it is quite a, a low diet. It's probably at least, through, I don't know, one-third to one-fourth of what you normally eat in a day here. So, But it is worthy to say that it does have some healing factors involved. So again, check with your physician before you even consider this. The second one, some great news here, hemoglobin A1C levels decrease um, in a larger percentage with insulin pens versus syringes for older adults with type 2 diabetes. Older adults with type 2 diabetes using an insulin pen had a lower A1C after 24 weeks than those using syringes. Researchers noted route of insulin administration did not result in significant difference in low blood sugar, quality of life, or adherence between the groups. Both groups of treatment had significant improvement in glycemic control over the 24 weeks. 
but it is nice to see that insulin pens versus you know drawing up your own insulin here had a much stronger effect here. It said both groups of treatments had significant improvement. This result uh, reinforces that insulin, regardless of the uh, device um, used, improves the control. I mean, that's a given here. But it said adults age 60 or over with type 2 diabetes and an A1C of 8.5 or higher over the three months before enrollment were those that participated in this trial here. Participants reported the presence of hypoglycemia, severity of any episodes, symptoms presented, other adverse effects here. It said the high levels of A1C along the follow-up may have been contributed to low frequency of hypoglycemia in both groups. But it said at the end of this here, no significant differences in insulin dose adherence between the two groups were observed. There was no difference between the two groups in the number of drug classes used or the number of participants using basal bolus here. But the statistics, the results speak for themselves here. With an insulin syringe, the A1C dropped 1.04%. It's very significant, even at a, a six-month mark. But with insulin pen, it was up to 1.94%. So it's almost double here. So much easier use and I think just uh, more comfortable use uh, with insulin pens here. So both articles, again, came to you on Endocrine Today, their website, helio.com backslash endocrinology. And uh, like I said, folks, it's my final episode of the Diabetic Corner. It's been an honor and a privilege. And in the meantime, until we're back in full force here, keep following my diabetic columns on my website, maureensullivanrn.com. And that concludes this week's edition of the Diabetic Corner. Tune into the Health and Humor Show again next week for another thrilling episode of the Diabetic Corner featuring Maureen Sullivan. We hope to see you then. All right, let's get back into our uh, final segment of news here. A ferocious wild turkey has been terrorizing residents in Washington, D.C. and Maryland while eluding multiple agencies who are on its trail. Residents have for months reported being attacked by a wild turkey, and officials believe it is the same male turkey responsible for all the attacks. Several of these attacks were reported on the Anacostia Riverwalk Trail near the D.C.-Maryland border. Cliff Robinson told the Wall Street Journal he was attacked on the trail. I was trying to get away from him, and he came after me, Robinson said. He wouldn't let me pass. Another resident, Liz Paulette, told the paper she ended up in urgent care with puncture wounds and had to get a tetanus shot and antibiotics. When it was a few feet away, it suddenly jumped at me, she said, like some cartoon. I had to use my purse to beat it back. D.D. Fullerin, a vocalist with the band Rare Essence, shared a video with, DC5, with DC's Fox 5, of a cyclist being harassed by a turkey. The cyclist can be seen timidly holding up her bike to fend off the animal. Can you help? The cyclist asks Falaren. I'm coming now, Falaren says. Uh, Falaren told WSLS-TV that he was attacked by the bird also. It was a scary situation, he said. 
just riding along the path, this gigantic turkey just jumps up toward my face, almost knocked me off my bike, then proceeded to chase me around for five minutes. The attacks have become such an issue that authorities posted a sign with a picture of a wild turkey alongside the trail. Caution, do not approach wildlife. Dan Roach with the Department of Energy and Environment told DC's Fox 5 that there are more than 100 wild turkeys throughout the city but believes just one male is responsible for the attacks. The fowl is believed to have slipped across state lines, expanding a number of agencies on its trail including D.C.'s Department of Energy, Prince George's County Parks and Recreation Department, and the Maryland Department of Natural Resources. Prince George's County National Parks and Recreation Department told Fox News that no sightings have been reported for about a week. Well, a Florida woman was taken into custody after being accused of placing a four-year-old boy in a dryer and starting the machine. Authorities claim 35-year-old Amber Chapman of Eustace was uh, serving as the child's babysitter when the incident happened back in February. The boy was rushed to a local hospital where he claims Chapman placed him inside the machine with some towels and spun him around, according to a Lake County arrest affidavit. The child suffered swelling and bruises on his head, cheeks, ears, stomach, and back, officials allege. Four-year-old provided more details to cops in another interview, adding that Chapman allegedly closed the dryer door on him and he went round and round. The medical report didn't explicitly state the dryer hurt the child, but did say the location of the injuries are consistent with being inflicted by the same. Chapman was arrested recently for aggravated child abuse. A motive wasn't listed in the affidavit. This wasn't the only time a Florida kid made headlines recently. Last month, a nine-year-old boy called out his mother in front of cops for alleged drunk driving. There was also an incident where kids may have been the victims after a Florida teacher's attempt to cancel a standardized test. And our final article here in Strange News... If you're looking to buy a home in Florida, one woman is offering a house that comes with a free ex-husband. Real estate investor Crystal Ball's listing is going viral on social media due to the funny photos advertising said former spouse alongside the $699,000 home in Panama City Beach. The photos feature Richard Shalhoub making silly poses in various rooms of the house. Sometimes he strikes a move alongside a plush white tiger. What's really catching people's attention is that Ball, a real estate investor, is advertising Chalu as a wonderfully rehabbed ex-husband with extra long ears and amazing cooking skills. <laughs> per the listing, this Panama City Beach, Florida home has three bedrooms, two baths, is listed at 699000 and comes with a rehabbed ex-husband as a tenant who can be used as a personal chef. I use comedy and humor to get through a very difficult situation, and I was able to maintain an intact relationship with him, Ball said. We co-parent very closely. He's a phenomenal father. Unfortunately, some people didn't take too kindly to the quirky post, so it was removed from Zillow and MLS, according to Ball. Luckily, the popular Twitter account, Zillow Gone Wild, has archived the post through screenshots, including part of the listing description. 
wonderfully rehabbed ex-husband up for grabs as tenant in this stunning Panama City Beach, Florida home. This dream man in the kitchen is a personal chef and server cooking up perfect meals on a new stove with updated countertops you can make memories on. Head covering is well-worn, mostly balding, like the eagles soaring in the sky above South Lagoon steps from your massive driveway. Extra-large ears will pick up creaks and make sure WD-40 is applied to your new fixtures. Superhuman strength will save your back years of hard work lifting your hot tub cover when you can fall in love listening to our two young boys splashing in the pools. Oh, there you go. And I definitely have to check out that website, Zillow Gone Wild. I have never heard of that before, but uh, I will be looking it up. Crazy. So for my final segment here, some health news that matters to you, coming to you from First for Women magazine. Brand new edition, folks. So sit back here. Lowering salt intake actually may prevent insomnia. Limiting salt to lower your blood pressure is familiar advice, but now an animal study shows the strategy may bring another benefit, better sleep. Researchers at the University of Alabama at Birmingham found that mice fed a high-salt diet showed more nighttime activity in the brain than mice given less salt. The authors say the part of the brain that keeps our body clock in rhythm also contains receptors that manage sodium levels, and consuming excess salt heightens activity there, a factor that may lead to sleep troubles. So there you have it, folks. Lay off the salt. Relief for leg cramps? Well, experts often advise drinking water after exercise to stay hydrated, but if you're prone to leg cramps, a sports drink may be a better choice, according to Australian scientists. In their studies, subjects who drank water with electrolytes after a workout were less likely to have achy legs than those who drank plain water. That's because electrolytes such as magnesium, sodium, chloride, and potassium, which help the body hydrate more effectively, are lost through sweat, and plain water dilutes the body's remaining electrolyte concentration. So you're actually more prone to cramps. To make your own mix, um, it says mix one cup of water, two tablespoons of lemon juice, and a pinch of salt, and a tablespoon of honey. And then it says... Fighting a cold may make COVID less severe. I know we've just tapped out on all the COVID stories. This is a short one here. That's the word from researchers in Switzerland who found that people with frequent exposure to the common cold, a type of coronavirus actually, have an increased level of antibodies to fight COVID-19. Someone who has gained immunity to harmless coronaviruses is better protected against the severe version of the SARS uh, COVID-V2 infection. The researchers say their findings don't mean you can't contract COVID, just that you're more likely to get a mild case if you do. And then found, it was a very exciting article title, The Upside to Carrying a Few Extra Pounds. Well, <laughs> applause to the following researchers. It can protect against bacterial illnesses, according to UK scientists. There we go. Their study, published in the journal Nature Communications, found that blood stem cells use high-energy fatty acids that are stored as fat to make millions of infection-fighting white blood cells. And although they specifically look at salmonella, the lead study author said that this increased fighting power would also work against other bacterial infections. And finally, dun -dun -dun -dun, discovered a link, you'll never believe it, folks, between vision and dementia. 
It says correcting vision loss caused by cataracts lowers the risk of brain decline, says researchers at the University of Washington Medical School. In a study of more than 3,000 participants in the Journal of the American Medical Association's Internal Medicine, older adults who had cataract surgery lowered their risk of dementia and Alzheimer's by 30%, a safeguard that actually lasted for 10 years. Study author Cecily Lee, MD, says fixing vision impaired by cataracts improves the quality of sensory output and input, rather, which benefits the brain. She credits the long-term protection to the renewed ability of blue light, which cataracts actually block, to wake up retinal cells linked with better thinking. So here is one last statistic, folks, coming to you from the source uh, Herbalife, which is a product company here. What percentage of people, what's the number of people who see their health as, and I quote, a work of progress? Any idea? Give a number. Percentage? Yeah. Um, 50%. No. Apparently, 82% of us, on average, because it's never just a complete number here, 82% of the world's population consider their health as a work in progress. And I will tell you, we should all consider it a work in progress, meaning it's never going to end, and we always can learn something and do something to improve our health and well-being. And so that, ladies and gentlemen, well, here's our final thoughts. <laughs> it's been a blast. What do you think? Any final words? It has. It has. Like you, like you said earlier, it is. It's a bittersweet uh, time for us. We've been doing this every week for a long time actually we started out as a live uh, podcast call-in show and uh, so i don't know if we actually downgraded just circumstances <laughs> well we relocated so we had yeah, to well downgrade. i mean yeah that was when we were still living in florida so anyway though like i say we've we've uh, you know made a move and you know moved from florida to tennessee and brought the show with us and like I say, I think, or I, I hope anyway, that uh, we've helped some of you out there over the years with uh, at least ma made you laugh or made you learn something or uh, gave you something to think about anyway, because that has always been our goal. And uh, it's been fun, but uh, really we're, we're just moving on to, to some different things. And It's so big and say. so much better that we're not even sure where we're moving yet, but... <laughs> There's well, just like so say, many. Just there's so many options out there nowadays to keep in touch with people and to touch a listenership and that. But um, this has been a phenomenal, an absolutely phenomenal, over-the-top experience. Um, although this is a health and humor show, I was also able to launch a second show on uh, world of veganism, and so that the two of them have just allowed us to meet tremendous amount of people from all walks of life, multiple different countries, but. At the end of the day, uh, I think we have to step back and regroup as our, our team here and just decide what gives us the best bang for the buck here. Um, I can't say that we won't be back. I'm sure we'll be back. We'll probably be on different platforms again because, you know, I don't know if people at YouTube are knocking on the doors and TikTok and Instagram needs to get developed and that. So there's never going to be a dull moment in this household. And that's all I can say here. So we're going to revamp and revise and revisit our goals and our missions and our visions and uh, get some clear vision on where we want to move forward. But in the meantime, folks, we're going to close out this episode and just let you know again from the bottom of our hearts that we love you and we thank you and we can't wait to come back bigger and better. 
But in the meantime, we're going to give final shout-outs here. The Health and Humor Show, a shout-out to the pl- platform podbean.com. Um, also to iHeartRadio and iTunes, Google Podcast and Audible, TuneIn, Pandora, and Spotify. Uh, my website's MaureenSullivanRN.com. Please keep in touch on there. Actually, give us some great ideas on what you'd like to see moving forward. Um, we can accommodate here. And then a shout-out to our friends at Shakedown Radio out of Australia, Good Music Africa, uh, Donna Cavanaugh at HumorOutcast.com, Capra Garrison at Pedagogy.com. The list goes on and on, but best, folks. HamiltonRadio.net out of Trenton, New Jersey, with CEO and founder Gene Pirro. And last but never least, the entire team at UKHealthRadio.com, home of Health Triangle Magazine. It's been a blast, but we are out the door. So, ladies and gentlemen, love you. See you next round. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you all back here next time for another installment of the Health and Humor Show. For now, stay healthy, stay happy, and most of all, stay tuned for the next entertainment-packed episode.